Welcome to Up Next. I'm Gabrielle Boucher, millennial author and entrepreneur. Each week, I bring to next generation leaders and millennial game changers to inspire you to change your world. Let's see what's next. Welcome back to the show, everyone. This week, we have yet another incredible guest with us. We're talking with Amy Luna, and I am really excited about having her on. She was brought to us by another Up Nexter, Elise Murphy, who came on the show a few weeks ago. And Amy works with Elise at Oasis LA, which is an incredible church that we're going to get to talk more about. But Amy is the worship pastor there. She's been there for over 10 years, and her story is pretty incredible because she's not your average worship pastor. She's been on American Idol. She has a really incredible story of how she's really blossomed into this powerhouse of worship and this really cool church that's really booming in LA. So Amy, thanks for joining us. Oh my gosh, that was quite the intro. Thanks for having me. You are so welcome. So you made it to the top 24 in season six of American Idol and now you're a worship pastor. What was that transition like? A, A really long one and not one that I was expecting to make, but um, really cool. I did, um, uh, American Idol back in 2006 and coming off of the show, I have always been, I've done worship since I was, I think 12 in, um, our youth ministry. We had a youth ministry in Seattle where I'm originally from of like two, 300 youth, um, and kind of got to learn about leading worship there and have been a part of an incredible church in Seattle and, um, and then doing, but I always wanted to pursue music as a, as a career. And so did American Idol thinking it was going to be the answer to all of my musical wants and desires and dreams. And that is not what happened. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, uh, it was actually a coming off of the show being on the show was, um, I was so aware of how much I loved music and performing and singing and how in my niche I felt, but coming off of the show and, um, you know, just comments from judges and kind of picking apart some personality and looks things for me, it really, it really defeated me. And so there was a four year process after Idol where Um, I just kind of got stuck in a rut and I'm so thankful that when I came to LA, um, I got plugged in right away at Oasis. So that was my first church here in LA and I've been here now almost 10 years. Um, because I, I just learned how to, I learned about family, I learned about community, I learned about so much stuff and it was just a safe place for me to go through a process of having so much disappointment in pursuing a dream of mine. Um, and then now to, you know, 10 years later, be on staff at that church doing worship is just, it's just crazy. It's so, it's so interesting where we think we're going to go one direction and how God kind of moves and shapes it to, to look different and actually better than what I know for me, what I could have thought I'd be doing, you know? Yeah, and it- 
it always works out how he was expecting. Although we have really fantastic ideas, like truly great. Yeah. Like I think our idea, I, my ideas are great. My God, I did all the yeah. hard work for you. Like I basically <laughs> am letting you cheat off of my life's test. Right. And God's like, no, totally. I have something way better. I'm like, but really like I did, like I Googled all of this for you. Like here's yeah. just follow the instructions. Yeah. Doesn't work that way. It turns out. So what was it like even being a Christian on the show? I'm sure so many people, you know, have asked you and, and pried into what that experience was like, but how were you able to express your faith in such a public sphere that it is, I mean, they are on looking at you on stage and they're saying, you know, what do you look like? And, and I think Simon Cowell even said something about you having like the personality of a candle, like really, right? Oh, <laughs> it was horrible. It was horrible. And millions of people are watching me get like just someone picking you apart on national television and you can now go on YouTube and relive it at your leisure, you know, like it never dies. Yeah. <laughs> never dies. But I think as far as my faith, um, and being on the show, um, one thing that, uh, I, so I went to musical theater school in New York and that was such a bubble, um, a, a bubble opener for me of, I had grown up in a Christian uh, home. I went to a Christian school. I was, the school was part of our church. Like I was very much in my Christian bubble, which wasn't bad, but then going to New York and meeting a lot of not being around so many people that didn't have the same belief system as I did was a huge shock, but I'm really thankful for it because then doing idol, um, I feel like what I learned was just to be authentic in my love for people and that that communicated more of the gospel than me shoving Jesus down people's throats. And so just being, just being kind and, um, and personable and having genuine love and concern. And, and that kind of opened up different conversations with contestants kind of stuff um, than really anything else did. Um, so that was really cool. That's incredible. And it's using your relationships and uh, just conversations to be able to talk about what what powers you and what gets you going. Yeah. And so now you're the worship director at Oasis LA. Why are you so passionate about worship music? Oh gosh, that's a really long conversation. We have an hour, yeah. right? Three, three okay. hours. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Man, I love worship. I don't know um, if everyone is the same, but there's something about music that just stirs something up in my soul and my spirit and especially um, music that is it's a connection point between us and God and there's something really powerful about declaring truths about God's word in a in a congregational setting where we're kind of doing it all together that just oh I just get really amped and excited about it and um so I think for for me, worship has been, for me personally, a really significant way of um, interacting with God and hearing God's voice and um, even just navigating seasons of life, um, having that intimate time with the Lord in a worship setting, in a musical worship setting, because worship isn't just music. There's worship with our lives. And so, um, but that musical way of worshiping just connects 
me with the Lord in a different type of way. And so creating environments that make it really easy for people to come into God's presence, to feel comfortable. Cause you know, in LA and especially at our church at Oasis, we have a lot of people that come in there. They're either very new to their faith or they haven't had great experiences, um, in their own religious backgrounds prior to coming to LA and lots of dreamers and pursuing, have pursuing their own things. And so, um, uh, trying to create a safe place for people to encounter God's presence, um, where they can, where it becomes, okay, I see other people doing this, but now I'm actually going to engage with God for myself. Like, Oh, that's just, that's so powerful. And to get to be a part of, of leading that at our, at our church and, and building that with other people and volunteers. And it's just, it's such an honor. I'm, I'm blown away that God lets me do this. Well, and I'm sure working, you know, within a church in the heart of LA, you're getting such, uh, an interesting perspective too, on how Christianity is relevant to today right? And has, you have people come in every week uh, that don't look like they're quote unquote Christians uh, who are pursuing God with everything in them. But I think on the other side, you also live in a part of the world. I mean, we're, none of us are limited from it, but being a Californian myself, I, I've seen and experienced much of the struggle of becoming it's, you know, what are you doing and what are you wearing? And yeah. and it's not necessarily the materialism. I think a lot of people really say that, but I think that there's um, just a spiritual emptiness that people think that if they work hard enough, that it'll be filled. And we see it Absolutely. here. I, mean, I live in Washington, D.C., where it's, uh, they call it the Hollywood for ugly people. So I don't really know <laughs> what, <laughs> oh exactly gosh. how how that connection is, but it's very similar in that people are are looking to fill that hole in them with their with their careers. So how how have you and, and the team at Oasis been able to provide a safe place for people to question even how they come to Christ? Yeah, it's a great question, and I don't know that we always do it well, but. Um, I think one of the biggest ways to even start having those conversations is because that's a, that's a really big one. And um, I think what I have been so blessed by with, um, with Oasis and being a part of this for so long is um, you can't have some of those conversations outside of authentic community. You just can't. And cause there's a vulnerability of being honest about where you're at with people that, um, sometimes just bringing that to light, the Holy spirit works in crazy ways when we just open up and talk about what's really going on with someone. And, um, so I think one of the, one of the things that we try and do, even just, um, with our team is building community is building family is building an uh, organic environment as, as much as possible where, people can just be real about what's going on in their lives and where they're at and not come in judged. And, um, our, our senior pastors, Philip and Holly are really great and have really built our church on a come as you are. Um, and so I think it's, it's a, it's a, it's a weight for, um, especially just making that transition from volunteering. I was a volunteer on the team for seven years before I came on staff and making that 
transition from volunteering to staff and having different eyes for people to make it a safe place and to journey with people. I think that that's really important. It's not a, you know, our faith is not a, okay, you believe in Jesus and everything changes in an instant. It's a, it's a step-by-step thing. And so, um, you know, with, with worship and just being a part of a church, it's like being committed to walk with people as they're journeying and even being vulnerable about where you're at in your own journey, because none of us are, are better or higher or above one another. Um, we might be in different places of, of, of position or authority or different things like that, but we're all human and we're all going through similar things. And so I think just that community aspect, um, is huge in having some of those kind of faith discussions about where you're at. And I'd love to hear from you and your perspective about where, where do you see the future of worship music going? Different sounds and different trends that we have in worship. Um, you know, Hillsong has been really popular for a while. Elevation's coming out with a lot. Uh, you know, Bethel Church has um, has quite a few, but not just yeah. the, the names of the church or, or the sounds, but where do you see the, the trends going and, and where do you want to see worship in five or 10 years? Oh man, that gets me so pumped up. Um, I love what the, just the people are such trailblazers in different churches. So many of the ones that you named are really blazing the trail and where worship music is going. And really even more than, than, like you said, the sound, um, how they're connecting people to a very real, very personal, very loving God. And, um, and I think that's the, that's the goal of, of why we worship is to have a connection point, um, between us and God. And so I think where it's, where it's going, what my prayer for where it's going, what I would hope is, um, is that, um, worship music becomes something that really is, um, more congregational. And what I mean by that is I think, um, it's, uh, and maybe this is just my experience because of being in LA and having more new believers or different things like that. But it's really easy to watch someone on stage worship and not have had a personal encounter with God for myself as an individual. Mm, And so I think we spend, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes at the top of a service. And I don't know that every person in that room has had a real authentic encounter for themselves because so much of it is looking at someone on a platform. And so my, my hope and my prayer for, for worship music moving forward in a musical sense is that there is this wall that comes down between the platform and the congregation. And it really becomes a body of believers that are pressing in to God's presence um, uh, individually and together. Cause there's, man, there have been some moments in worship I've experienced where I am not leading anybody in worship. We are going there together and it's powerful. It's this give and take of this, this group of people that were worshiping together, they kind of go somewhere. And so you musically try and follow where they're going and, <laughs> and, and then, they're kind of in this place and you hear something from the Holy Spirit. It's like, oh, we got to go over here. So, but when everyone is engaged and present and expecting, you get to go to this place farther 
together than you do if it's just a, a few people who are kind of going and are there. And so I, I, my hope and my prayer is that worship in a congregational setting, musically, it becomes about the entire body pressing into God's presence, and and I and I think we're seeing that even just with the types of music that uh, and the 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 lyrics of things and and all of that, but but it becoming real for individual people that that's a a real place for them to encounter God versus oh we're going to sing a couple songs before a message yeah. kind of thing you know and it, it's that authenticity is what you're talking about is how do we how are we raw enough that you know we have such a transparent experience that it's not just um it's not a spectator sport yeah it's, you know it's full contact as soon as you as soon as you walk in. Now, you recently got married about a year ago, right? I did. Yeah. So how what has that been like? I know when Elise was on the show, she's engaged. And so we chatted about that a lot. Yes. Is, uh, I, I got married a year ago. And you know I was 27, I think, um, when I got married. And you know, it was really funny being a Christian woman in the church. People kept being like, it's okay. You know, your prince will come. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm fine. Like, no, really, it's okay. <laughs> what was your experience like? Oh, gosh. Well, I am 32 now this year. And so I was 31 when we got married and definitely felt the the push and pull of, you know, people very well-intentioned being like, why hasn't someone picked you up yet? Or like all of that. And it's like, oh yeah. well, that kind of makes me feel better. It kind of doesn't. Yeah. The, um, the, why are you single question is my yeah, favorite. Like it's a yeah. decision. Like I just decided. Yeah. <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> totally. A friend of mine, uh, we've been talking, he's single and just been talking about this dynamic of being married is not the end goal in life. Dating someone is not the end goal in life. Having kids, like those are not the the end prize, if you will. I think that a lot of conversations in my, you know, mid to late 20s and then even going into my 30s um, was a lot of that kind of stuff, or at least that's how I felt it was being communicated. And uh, I actually, when I was 23, um, was engaged and a couple months out of before uh, almost getting married and we called the the wedding off and and I heard from the Lord I really feel like I heard from the Lord that I, and there were a lot of things that kind of went on during that season that I was like oh this is this is the right call for us to make to not move forward into getting married but my initial thought was oh because I was obedient to the Lord I'm going to get a, I'm going to find my person right away right and that did not happen okay. right like no, tomorrow this is going to be the right. best story ever. That did not happen. Actually, went on a date a couple months after cutting off my engagement, which wasn't oh, wasn't wise. <laughs> I needed some time to do some personal like inner work. But there, that was a seven year seven years until I met my now husband. God knows what the timing is. His timing is perfect. He's never early. He's never late. He's right on time. Yeah. And I think, I think. Uh, for me, it was learning to just be content in the waiting season and not waiting like, um, you know, when are you going to, when are you going to come? When are you going to be here? Um, and, and almost waiting in a discontent way, um, and really having to challenge and navigate that because there were moments where I was discontent. I was so unhappy being single. I think coming to a place where I was, where I was choosing to focus on, 
my relationship with Jesus more than I was looking for the next, you know, (laughs) Mr. Whoever um, was like, that was a game changer for me. And I remember that season, we did a, a 21 days of prayer thing at the beginning of the year. And I fasted, um, uh, TV and, um, it was huge. So I would literally come home after work and I would just get in my Bible. And I, it was one of my most tender seasons with the Lord of it just being me and him and me being okay with that. And it being really fulfilling. And I don't know, there's just, I think getting to a place of contentment, not that you don't want certain things for your life, but being really good about where you're at and finding the joy, the singleness is joy. Like there's so much fun to be had. So I think just finding the contentment in the season that God has you, whether you're married, whether you're single, whether you like your job, whether you hate your job, whether you're making a lot of money or you're not making a lot of money. I think finding the joy and contentment in where God has you in this season is huge to even step into what that next one is. That's so well said. Well, we are here at the end of our show, but before I let you go, I ask all of our guests the same question. It's my favorite question. And um, if the 12-year-old version of you were to meet you now and see what you're doing, what would you think about it? Oh, gosh. I think, man, 12-year-old me, I think she would be really excited. And I think that some of the dreams in that you know, 12 year old Amy's heart, they have happened. So I think, um, I worried a lot when I was younger about if, you know, I'd get to do the things that I wanted to do or if life would turn out good. Um, and it has blown my mind. I think, (laughs) I think there are things that have been difficult, but they have propelled other things that have been so much better than the things that were disappointments. So I think, um, man, she'd be really, really happy. And I would tell her to not worry so much. It's like, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Well, (laughs) clearly it's, it's turning out really well. And I am just so grateful that you were able to, to join us. Me too. Amy Luna. And you have just an incredible energy about you. And I just want to acknowledge you for, for your work and for your passion, um, to not only, uh, to praise God, but to really seek God's heart for those, um, that are around you, not only in worship, but in life as well. And I think that's an incredible gift to, to respond to the Lord in an incredible way. And so I'm so thankful and I'm looking forward to coming out. I'm in LA all the time to come hang out with you guys at Oasis and see what it is all about. Yes. Come come hang with us. Thank you so much. No, thanks for, thanks for coming on the show. We can't wait to see what God has in store for you in the next year. 